0: What is that, Mentors Collective? It is an honor, and you learn so much wisdom by talking to successful entrepreneurs from previous generations, especially ones who have really great stories, who came from nothing, have been knocked down, came back up, and learned how to rebuild not only themselves, but their business. And on this episode, I've got a special guest for you and a friend. Jim Markham's a serial entrepreneur and founder of Pureology, and he's done over $1.2 billion in retail sales. He started multiple companies, he's been knocked down, he's gotten back up, and he just published a book that explained everything about how he did it and how you can use some of these principles and wisdom to become the best version of yourself as an entrepreneur, as a leader, and as a person. So without further ado, I want to welcome you, Jim Markham. Thank you for joining me in this conversation, and I'm excited to to suck some wisdom out of you today.
1: Thank you, Jay. It's a really a pleasure to be here. I'm coming from Hawaii, so we've got some distance between us, but not that far in, as well. You
0: know, a little distance in location, but uh, similar distance in or similar weather. I'm yeah, here in Florida. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but Jim, you know, you, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time. Obviously, you've had multiple ventures. I'm sure some are successful, some not successful. I would consider myself a serial entrepreneur myself. I think it took me until my seventh business till I had, you know, my first multi-million dollar company that's still with us and actively growing today. But walk me through your, your own journey as an entrepreneur. You know, what what was that like? And I know you had a, a an interesting upbringing, so tell me a little bit about that too. Well,
1: you know, I had an alcoholic mother and and uh, ended up getting married at 50 and had a kid at 50 and really with nothing to do, so my mother said, "Why don't you try barbering and uncle clarence always did well as a barber and i said well, okay well i really don't have anything else to do." so i went to barber school and uh i, I did it in three and a half months it kind of fudge about my age because i think you needed to be 16 to start and i was 50 so but i, I started cutting hair at a dollar 50 a haircut dollar 50 haircut back then was not much money as it is today you probably quote thirty dollars but uh, I did well as a barber. I started entering competitions and I won the national championship cutting men's hair. It, men's hair time was a virgin. it's then a virgin state. It wasn't a.
0: And all the men wore
1: italis vitalis or grilled cream and put it on their hair and combs it all back. And, you know, wash and you wash it every didn't want to wash it any more than that because they couldn't comb it. They couldn't get it played. So we offer a way of cutting the hair to uh, emphasize your good features. Give you a haircut that you could cut, one that grew the way it naturally grew, which is either to the right clockwise, or clockwise. So, we started Ben's hair selling and we uh, were very successful then. I I got my probably got my big break when I met Jay Green when he in uh, back in '67, and um, and then he ended up getting killed with Sharon Tate in, in '69, and uh, I ended up taking over his company took over a lot of his clientele. He was a celebrity hairstylist back then as well. I took over Paul Newman, Johnny Carson, and a lot of my like Steve McQueen, Robert Redford, um, James Garner, and, and a whole host of About 55 other big stars. But, um, I, I, you know, I was an uneducated kid from New Mexico, charging $5 a haircut in New Mexico. Eventually, when I started doing men's hairstyle there, Went to California to go with Jay's Contel at $50 a haircut. So it was pretty nerve-wracking. I was terrified. And, but I knew I had the skill, but I didn't know if I could fit in social. But I did. I, I tried to be just friendly, but not too friendly for about a year. And eventually I fit in and, uh, and, and did well. And ended up starting another four companies after that. After that came Markham Products, Abba Products, Urology Products. Color-proof products, and uh, all of them were very successful.
0: Okay, beautiful. Have you ever started a company, Jim, that you that failed, that didn't do so well from the get-go, uh, and what was that like?
1: I had uh, I had some real slow starts. Uh, with Aba, we didn't have one hundred fifty thousand dollars, and, and we had it positioned wrong. We positioned it as Aba Liquid Tile Tools, which is important to know, because. Somebody owned that, and that was uh, Paul Mitchell. And although we called it ABBA Liquid Science Tools, nobody, if they wanted the Liquid Science Tools, they'd buy Paul Mitchell. So we didn't do very well for nearly three years. And I changed it. I changed the packaging. I put uh, ABBA Pure and Natural, and I put herbs in it and took animal ingredients out and repositioned it. And it started growing really fast. I mean, I was right down to my last few thousand dollars. So it was it was real close to failing. It could have gone either way. And then then the sales that year tripled when we changed positioning. Positioning is such an important part of a company. You got to position it well and have it unique and special to your product or your service. And that's what we did. But I came real close.
0: <laughs> yeah, and and I agree with you. Positioning is everything. And it's interesting that you say it took until you were about several thousand dollars away that you had this idea to kind of reposition the brand. And that's when you when it finally clicked, when it finally worked. And this is yeah. why I, I tell, you know, when I when I mentor, not to take venture capital because it makes you lazy to have too much money. It's when I feel like us as entrepreneurs are backed up against the corner when we don't have any choice but to succeed or the business dies with it. Uh, it that's when I, I feel like our, our best entrepreneurial selves come out, when our best decisions are made and miracles happen. That's funny that that, that happened for you as well, it seems. Very
1: true. Very true.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there anything that, you know, strategies that helped you along the way when things were moving a little bit slowly or you were down to your couple last thousand dollars that helped you s- flip the switch, you know, change the pattern, break the pattern and start to start to do well, start to take things off?
1: Well, with, like it, with Sebring and Markham, I was like the, the star, the front guy that did and taught a method of haircutting. In fact, with and Products, we had the $55 haircut for a whole lot less, which means you could get my haircut in your own hometown, which was a $55 haircut for maybe 10 or 15 whatever you charge. So we, we, we did promote that network real well for a while. And then, uh, and then the Supercuts came along and Command uh, Performance. And they, had a, they promoted a real fast haircut, cheap. We promoted a real high quality haircut for, for expensive that really hurt the business i think it still hurt the business but i think that's what most people most men gravitate towards price. Uh, most men don't realize they're getting a bad haircut they don't really know it's bad and they won't pay a lot of money for a haircut and uh, they'll buy cars they'll buy clothes they will buy other things but not haircuts they're looking for cheap and out and women i switched to women women really was a, a lot better market you know they, they buy 80 percent of products and uh, Give them to the man say, This is yours, don't touch mine in the, in the showers. And that's the kind of way it works. But uh, yeah, I think it's positioning and make sure that your demographics are right. So don't, I went one time to New Mexico from California and opened a salon at $35 a haircut. And it was, it was a $10 marketplace. So obviously it didn't work because it was too high. So I, I thought I was going to go broke then again, again. And so I went down to 25 I went to 30. That still didn't work. It's still too high. And I went down to 25 and I built up. Then I went back to 30 and then kept going up. But it, price your pricing of uh, your service or product is critically important. And know what your compound competition is before you start pricing your service because you might go too high or, or too low. So it's important to know what your competition is doing. So oftentimes when I didn't do this, I didn't pay it close attention to what the competitors did. When I did that, I did a lot better. I'm going to know exclusively the competition, what makes them special, what makes them not so special, is a weak point in the armor that I can pierce and and penetrate. And I think finding that positioning and uh, looking at demographics, and then of course you got to do a great budget and make sure you got enough money, entry money, you got enough cash flow, how long can you survive before your your sales pick up and do a sales projection. So, cash flow analysis, sales. is is really critical in any business. And I think you should do it periodically regardless of where you're at in the
0: process. Yeah, so the fundamentals, absolutely. The numbers have to work. But you said a couple other really important golden nuggets that I want to kind of pick out there. Uh, One is the the price testing. When you move into a new market, you're offering a new service and a new place to a new demographic, a new audience. It's really important to see what what you can charge, what people are willing to pay for it. Uh, and especially if you're thinking about, like you said, increasing your prices, what's that upper limit? What's that lower limit? And a lot of people, I feel like, just price it based on what they think. They don't actually go out there and do the do the testing, see what people are willing to pay. Uh, and that's something that was, you know, really powerful for, for us and our company, uh, and several companies, and something that I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs overlook. Uh, and then the second thing you you mentioned was, you know, positioning, figuring out what your competitors aren't offering that you could add into your deal to, to make it a no brainer, to really stand out from the competition. Uh, so it's
1: really critical. I feel.
0: I agree. Uh, I think those are, those are great golden nuggets of wisdom. So thank you. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your book. What do we teach? Uh, what will entrepreneurs learn from reading the big lucky? You know,
1: I go through five different companies over 50 years, starting out, you know, with a, uh, very unsuccessful kid, you know, with an alcoholic mother. And going through those processes of uh, uh, settling up with her before she died, I thought was a very important point that I go through. Uh, that we, we kind of made up before she died, which is critical for the rest of your life. You make up with everybody but it's important to you. I, I go through each company, and each company is unique in its own way, because I do point out how I started, what the stumbling blocks were, and what the successes were, in detail, as far as sales uh, strategy, uh, changing strategy, and, and failing myself personally uh, three different times, and then getting back up, getting back on the road. And I think it's important that people hear that, see that, because I've had so many people say, "Jim, you got, you got, you got a, a book, of success story that you need to share, because your road to the top was not very easy, and not many people are able to do that." So I said, "Well." those are important things that entrepreneurs especially should know, especially younger entrepreneurs, the entry point or the midpoint. Uh, and, and I kept kept finding that I kept learning a lot every time. I think I wish I would have had um, this information before I started the company.
0: Yeah. And that's why we read books, right? It's to learn from other people's life lessons, learn from their mistakes. And sometimes just for motivation and inspiration to see what people did before you and what's possible.
1: How uh, they overcame.
0: Yeah. Some of my favorite things to consume are CEO interviews with the how I built it kind of things with successful companies. It's usually always a an incredible story. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the book for sure. What are some, some valuable lessons that you've learned through your entrepreneurial journey that uh, might um, be talked about in the book?
1: I, I think one of the... One of the- lessons is that you know um getting up when you stumble getting back up because i see i hear a lot of people say you know i don't have the education to win I, you know my family taught me x and I, therefore i can't do it because and, and i would say that's ridiculous uh regardless where you're from regardless of your education regardless of your situation if you look and you study and you work like hell you can survive, Five. you can thrive in the marketplace. And I think that, that message is not real clear that um, people think they need a college degree, they need uh, all this marketing skill and all this, uh, you, you do need it, but I'm just saying, you don't have to. You know, if you, if you didn't do it, you can learn it and just apply yourself and work like hell and you'll win. A lot of, often people don't work hard enough. They, they think they can do it and they, um, they fall short of their goal. They say, well, I can't do it, and which really is not true. You just got to put some effort into it and know, know you can do it. Know you can win regardless if you fail because I've fallen pretty hard and, and did it again three different times. <laughs> and I put all that in my book. I, I don't hold it back in punches. It's, it's the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, actually, because that sounds important uh, that... Um, I see a lot of people in in small businesses that will get started a little early, they don't do the proper planning and they fail. And they say, well, I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur, I'm not meant to be an owner." and they are. They are, they just need to be refocused, reestablished, read books like mine, understand what obstacles there are and and prepare for them And, and keep getting up and keep winning.
0: Yeah, and every time you do fail and fall on your face, the next venture that you start, you come into with whole other experiences and lessons that you never would have learned otherwise. But you know that's the point of also reading exactly. these books. <laughs> exactly,
1: like, and, and yeah. I, I recommend you know I when I first started, <clears throat> I was a big uh, positive power, positive thinking, thinking, grow rich. Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. I was a big, I was actually a Dale Carnegie assistant teacher for a while, which I thought really Helped me and Dale Carnegie says something that's really important I think he said you haven't heard no enough you have not heard no enough if you've only heard it eight times so so point is is uh, you got to hear it many times no many times before you went but you didn't say it enough if you didn't say it at least eight times I thought well that's the true I mean how many times have we heard no I don't I'm not interested no 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 and you just have to reapply so I think that's with entrepreneurs as well we all learn that we win and, and, and oftentimes we learn we can't win and we, we can't, but we can win. And that's that's where I put in the book, the story of winning and losing and rewinning winning again and that you can do it if you apply yourself and don't give up.
0: Do you think that everybody uh, can be an entrepreneur if they put their mind to it? Or do you think there's a special type of person or situation that creates one?
1: I think we're all capable of doing it. God made us all to win. Uh, we're all pretty equally smart, I think. I, I really don't think that I have it or anybody has it that much over anybody else. I think the experiences is what we mold and find, and the ability to give up quickly really hurts everybody. I do think that um, if you're an entrepreneur and you're not, you don't have a business right now, or you failed in business. Evaluate. Look at all the companies around you. Look at things you like. Kind of do an initial business plan. I'm going to need this much money to get in. I'm going to need this much money for cash flow. I need this much money for sales. And, and just try to figure out if you're uh, something you like because you have to really kind of like it or you won't do that. So I mean, I I looked at many things. From, you know, from burger franchises, to franchisees. And, uh, I, I never found anything I really liked, like, I, like hair care, hair care and owning the business and getting distributors and they work for themselves and they open salons that work for themselves and it was a good business model for me. My background was winning a lot of championships and cutting a lot of celebrities and I also won uh, the Year for First and Young for fastest growing company in seven, uh, 2007. So I've, I've won a lot of things in business, not just hair selling, but it's, it's, it's business with against every yeah, I, I do. Think, maybe I guess there's a few that wouldn't be qualified, but I, I think what quali- what limits them more than anything is their inability to stay focused and, and pursuit
0: success. Yeah, I always say during mentoring, when you're in growth mode, you have to you know, take your hobbies, put them aside, video games aside, social media aside. You can have them later, uh, but you know when you're you know you're building a company, you have to work harder than all of your your, your competition if you're going to start to compete with them.
1: You got to work very hard, You're extremely hard, harder than you might think. Yeah. But in order not to fail, you you've got to put a hundred percent into it, and, and uh, with confidence. I mean, I seem like I always had a lot of negativity, but I did have one thing constant. I believed I could win. I believe I was. I I was smart enough to do it, and I was. And I, and I believe a lot of people are smart enough. They don't give themselves credit.
0: Yeah, I think if anything, entrepreneurs might have in common, it's we're stubborn and (laughs) we're a little bit... uh,
1: Refuse to lose.
0: 100% we refuse to lose. What do you think the most valuable skill that an entrepreneur can build is?
1: Persistence, probably. Uh, You've got to be very persistent. Uh, You've got to analyze things, be very persistent and refuse to lose. Mm -hmm. And how do you refuse to lose? By not giving up. I mean, one of the things that, uh, I think it was Thomas Edison once said, he said "Our one of the bi- human's biggest weaknesses is we refuse to get up one more time. And you got to keep getting up, because that's what it takes. Even though it doesn't seem like you're going to win, just keep getting up and keep swinging, because it's that's where, that's where you win. And that, that last inning, where you really put it all down, that's usually when you get the biggest uh, I love you that. don't need to get to that last point you know but sometimes you do
0: I feel like we all have our own version of that uh yeah. I know I do it seems like you did as well uh, and it, it probably looks a lot different to a lot of different people but
1: I, I, I thought originally that you know that this would be for a business school required um, uh, reading is what we thought be about because so it's really about winning and losing and successful. Or, Worship, as well as um, uh, giving and taking uh, what life throws at you, but sometimes it's just unpredictable, as we all know. And uh, I think, I, but I do think persistence probably produces And uh, I told you something else a second ago. Uh, never, never I think those are probably. I, you have to be persistent. Yeah. You have to be a real pain. In the
0: I feel like most entrepreneurs aren't just successful in their first company. I know, God knows, I wasn't. Uh, it sounds like uh, maybe you're, you're the same thing. But most entrepreneurs that I talk to and work with, they go through, you know, four, four, six, eight companies before they find the one that really that really hits, or they or doesn't doesn't work and they then they give up. But I feel like you need to, to, to you fail fail to, and to learn exactly persistence, stay stubborn. Yeah
1: from losing too much money along the way right yes exactly. I, I fortunately i fortunately uh got a little help and had, had some partners that we did it with and then i had a little bit of equity but most all my companies i never put all the money in i always seem to have a partner with money uh, usually non-working partner which is good and, uh, and it worked real well until i started doing it myself on the and it's, it's about the same. I, I'm not really, if you have a good partner, they're usually quite helpful, actually.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I actually have a whole episode on on partnerships and finding the right one. I'm currently in a, in a great one. You know, I've had four companies with with one person. They're all doing really well. We complement each other really well. And that's a whole conversation, you know, how to choose the right partner, uh, not get screwed by a partner. That's yeah. a It's a special kind of relationship, a business partnership.
1: It sure is, because I've gotten screwed as well yeah. in those, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, but it can re- work really well if you're in the right arrangement. Perfect, yeah, that's right. So you've been a- around in the in the entrepreneurial space, the business community for a long time. Sounds like you're, you've read a lot. You're familiar with a lot of the, the greats and the classics. Talk to me about some books, people, speeches, movies, whatever it might be that has influenced you as an entrepreneur that you would recommend other entrepreneurs um, go read and check out.
1: Paul Newman was really a, a good person for me. He kind of, I, I raced with Paul, and his, uh his I, I nearly bought the Dotson. He wanted to buy it and race, but I, I really couldn't afford that thirteen circuit tour. And, uh, but he, he I, I drove his farm one or two times at, at Lancaster. He was very influential to me, and he taught me a lot of things about living life to the best. How does a successful person? Little. and Sometimes I go, go on location. I go on location seven times to cut his hair, and three of those times he'd say, "Just stay in my sweet Don't check stay in the I learned a lot from uh, about life, about yeah. wine, about how to make popcorn. He taught me how to make popcorn. He says it's, really, it's really an it's really an inexpensive way to have a, a lady over without uh, spending an arm and leg. You can do popcorn and jicama and. He told me about red wines. He'd usually give me three or four bottles of wine. I'd cut his hair. He'd give me the wine and say, Here's this one. This is for that first time when you're a brand new date. Here's the second time, which is a little more special. Here's that wine when you really got a special woman you want to impress This is the one. So I, I learned his concept from him. One of the things I learned from Paul was I, I was cutting his hair one time in Beverly Hills, and uh, Joanne walked in. He jumps out of bed to share hair everywhere. Goes over and kisses her on the cheek and says, Hello, lovely lady, and then comes back over and sit down on Wow, here's this sex symbol of the world, the way he treats his wife. How must a mere mortal like me treat? Her? Quite extraordinary. But he, he was really good. I, I think reading his story about Paul was really interesting. I cut Queen's hair, which I ran around with Steve quite a while. Wow. Interesting guy. Kind of a rough house guy, brown, uh, poor, uh, brown belt guy, real dry, loved to fight. He was a rough, rough guy too. Um, uh, I kept uh, Robert Redford hair for all. I didn't learn so much from Redford. He's pretty quiet. Johnny Carson was a. Um, he was quite the guy. He was quite, real quiet. Mm-hmm. He had something to say. But I think books I would recommend. Motivational books. I think motivational books are really good for me. They still are. I still like the paper that I um, I love Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Unfolds People, Fire, Positive Thinking, How to Think and Go Rich. Um, I think all those is real good to read. Kind of keeps you motivated, gives you guidelines. I think what we need in life is we all got the ability, we all got the, the intelligence. We just need to hear examples of what to do, how to put it together. Reading different books all the time is really helpful to stimulate your mind, your thinking, new ideas. and perhaps even bad ideas you shouldn't be. I think those are all good. We we uh, we, we live in California we live in California six months out of the year. And we live in Hawaii six months out of the year. And so life is pretty good, but but for entrepreneurs, I, I, I try I try to personally read something that's not successful successful people. I love reading. That helps me, that inspires me, that gives me their techniques about winning and losing. That's
0: what I need. Yeah, and me too. And hopefully The Big Lucky will be one of those books.
1: <laughs> Thank <laughs> you so much. So for, well, for listeners
0: well. who might be interested in, in, in picking that up, where's the best place to to go get their copy?
1: Amazon has it, and they have, you know, we have a Kindle, uh, we have uh, the audio, sorry, audio and print, and uh, that other one, is it Kindle?
0: Kendall. Yeah, Kendall. Yeah, Amazon.
1: right here. We, we, we do most of our business there. We, that's the easiest place to get it.
0: Perfect. And I'll, I'll drop some links in the show notes here so people don't have to hunt too hard.
1: Oh, thank you very much. It's really yeah. a pleasure talking to you, man.
0: Yeah, Jim, this has been awesome. Thank you for sharing your stories. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this. And I highly recommend if you know any successful entrepreneurs who have been you know, entrepreneurs for a long time, go talk to them, go pick their brain. They've got so much wisdom, so much experience. Uh, and not only uh, talk to them, but read their books. Or listen to their work. Uh, and Jim, I,
1: I think it's important.
0: Me too. Uh, and that, that's one of the reasons I started this podcast is to talk to people like you, uh, make myself a better entrepreneur. I personally don't love to read. But I love to talk to people. I love to listen to people. Uh, so this is, I guess, my, my little crash course book. So, thank you, Jim. <laughs> thank uh, you so
1: much, Jason. But you need, I need to interview you.
0: No, anytime. <laughs> I appreciate your time, Jim. Uh, I'm glad well, to have you, you as a friend, as a mentor. We'll talk to you soon. Right,
1: Bye. Take it easy.